Yes, the walled <laughs> garden means garden essentially symbolizes the Apple ecosystem. It's a beautiful garden of devices that all just work so well together. Very seamless. It's yes. paradise. It, it's paradise. It's like the Garden of Eden. And the forbidden fruit is apple, but it's really just all the devices and it's not forbidden. You can all eat it within this walled garden, right? But outside of the garden, you are discriminated against. And and, you're green. And you're poor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if we should say people. I I throw in the word poor. because of expensive apple devices. I was going to say there is some sort of classist divide there. It's like Farmville up in there. These exotic things. Harvesting sunflowers, baby. Welcome back, podcast listeners, for the 30th episode of Not To Be Technical, which is technically the 32nd recorded episode. That's right. And you got your boy Nasty Knopf in the mix. And of course, Charlie, as always. What's going on, guys? Thanks for uh, introing us here, Nasty Knopf. I like that one. You feeling nasty today? I'm feeling nasty. I'm bringing back that moniker. Ooh, I like it. 30th episode. It's uh 32nd. Like we said, it's not very confusing at all. We've had episode zero. We had a half episode once. So it's really our 32nd one. We're out here, baby. Uh, we are here without Gary. Once again, our third co-host, he may or may not be back pretty soon next week. We're hoping with the accounting world, but we're powering on through. We got tech news. We got trend in tech. We got main topics to get to. We got follow-ups. We got a lot for you all. Dolphins. Hey, hey, that's my job. That's I know, my but, job but, for know, the I'm folks. Just, I'm out here, baby. You know, I'm just, I'm saying things. I'm letting it flow. I'm letting it fly. You know what it is. I'll allow it. All right. Well, thank you for allowing it. But novice, what do we got as our main topic today? How about that? Our meaty, heavy topic. The meaty, heavy one for this week is going to be why iMessage and Android texting don't coexist. That's right. So we've been talking a lot about in recent episodes to Apple devices. We just shared on our last episode. I I believe it was like, what was it? Over 70% of our listeners are on Apple devices, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, so we are kind of Apple fanboys, or not kind of, we, we are Apple fanboys, but there's been a lot, it's interesting, we, for our main topic today, there was, we wanted to talk about this, but there's been a lot of news in the news cycle just as of today about iMessage and how Apple is kind of pushing people into the ecosystem and keeping them there and pressuring others to stay in there because of iMessage. So we're going to dive into that, but first, Nafis, uh, I do want to say, or uh, actually, I, I want to ask you, how the hell are you? Um, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm kind of annoyed that COVID's still affecting me a little bit, but yeah. I got some steroids. Your boy's going to be fine in like a week or two. Um, yeah. And the kind that you kind of you shoot into your ass, right? Cause yeah, you, you yeah. asked me the other, or, or last night yeah, you had your pants down. Uh, you directly gave me a little into needle. the butthole. Uh, yeah. Direct. Yeah. Directly in there, which uh, that's just like I, a turkey baster. It, it was it was like a turkey baster. Uh, I, I don't know if you feel better. You're still coughing, but it, it probably did something. I might be using it wrong, but who knows? I don't know. I just did what she asked me. I figured the doctor's a doctor. It ain't me, baby. I'll just do whatever you ask. You're I'm a good a, I'm roommate. A good, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I just try to help out. I don't want you feeling bad. But but I, you know what? Yeah, you have been coughing a little bit lately, but you're, you're past COVID. You're negative now. But, you know, just a little bit of the residual effect post-COVID, yeah, yeah. right? Residual effect. Everything's all good. No one be concerned. I'm going to be just fine. But what you should be concerned about 
is the fact that I got scammed. Oh my god! When purchasing NFTs last week. Uh, this is oh man, this is this is a hilarious story. Um, so so not so novice, yeah. So novice and I, we um we're getting into NFTs a little bit more. So we've been we, for the past year or so, we've definitely been you know quite privy to cryptocurrency. Uh, Gary, our other co-host as well, you know, very big on cryptocurrency. He had an episode on it too, which was very enlightening. I recommend listening to if you don't know much about it. Uh, But with NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens, we had another episode, episode 18, that explains those. One of our most popular episodes. That's right. One of our most popular ones. Uh, This is something that you can invest in. And and just as a very quick overview for anyone, just so we can tell this story, think of it like an online asset that you can put money towards. It's cryptocurrency, but we can put it into dollars just for this example. So you you throw, let's say, $1,000 to this digital piece of art, which can uniquely be yours once you buy it. And then you hope it appreciates. There's other use cases for it too. We won't get too much into that. But right now it's huge. You've probably heard of NFTs. You've heard of cryptocurrency, (laughs) I'm sure. So a lot of people are trying to get in there before it gets hot. Uh, just like an asset. If you were to buy gold and then you hope it appreciates, it's the same thing here, except this is just a little bit more trendy and, and the market is going up for sure. Like there, there's data to show it. It, it is working for a lot of people. However, what's interesting with NFTs is the way they're created. So let's say that there's an NFT that's about to release. That's equated to kind of like maybe a shoe release, right? Like there's a big, maybe some Jordans or some nice Nikes or, or whatever it is. There's going to be a shoe drop. And people are, are trying to get the shoe drop online. You know, they're, they're there. Trying or to the get store. in the queue, trying to get some sort of exclusive access to, exactly. you know, purchase these shoes. So yeah. getting NFTs is very similar. Um, what they call it is like a minting process. When it comes to that, you know, the best way to get involved is you want to find a community or a project that you're yeah. interested in. Um, you join what's called a Discord group. Discord, uh, we've probably discussed in previous episodes, but is a chat platform. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and um, that's where a lot of these communities sort of reside and communicate, especially when it comes to updates. So you want to jump into one of those groups to know what's going on. And then usually they let you know about when a drop is going to happen and um, how you can get involved with the minting process. Exactly. So what happened in this case, uh, our good friend Richard, who I would say continues to be our NFT uh, god that we know, he's, he's just he, he is thriving on NFTs, crypto, uh, one of our good friends here. He told us about uh, an NFT drop that was, was coming up. Uh, so we joined that Discord group, which is just a chat group. You get access uh, to then have a chance to, you know, if it were the shoe example, have a chance to kind of wait in a queue to buy the shoes. In this case, uh, have a chance to go to the website at the time where you can create an NFT and then own it. Now, the way that this works is uh, you go to this website and you connect what's called a wallet. Uh, in this case, it's a digital wallet that contains cryptocurrency. So all, all this means is just imagine almost like a bank account, like an online version of your bank account. You have maybe $1,000 in there and you say, hey, I'm going to connect this bank account to this website uh, so I'm able to purchase this NFT. I connect it there. It's, it's almost like a shopping cart, except you're just, here's my payment method that has yeah. access to the wallet. You just, exactly. Yeah. I, I think you, you boiled it down pretty easily. You click one button yeah. to connect to your bank account that has your money in it. It's super easy to <laughs> click that button. It's just, you click the button, you connect it to the website. Now, here's the issue, or or here's what makes it tough. And this is anyone that's tried to do some NFTs definitely knows this. 
scams are rampant because you go on and you're trying to connect your wallet. You're trying to make sure you get to the drop first. And when you get there, you need to claim something quickly. And there's thousands and thousands of people trying to create these NFTs and then sell them for the first time. That's where you can make the most money. Right. Uh, so uh, we were waiting for one. So one of them launched. This one was called Monkey Ball. Oh, yes. Monkey Ball. <laughs> and, and, and this is a good example, too, of where there's utility here, like or what the use case is for this NFT. So if you were to buy this monkey ball NFT, I forgot how many there were. I think it was about five to 7,000 unique monkey balls. Um, okay, around that. I so, think it might've been closer to eight, but. Yep. Okay. Very important clarification. Thank you, Novice. <laughs> so yes, 8,000 approximately per Novice uh, monkey balls that would be minted or created, right? And if you claim one, you could then sell it. So these monkey balls, let's say you own one of these monkey balls, it would then be put into a game that would be coming out and you can use this unique monkey ball. It would have attributes, characteristics, stats, et cetera, right? This was a pretty big project and there was a lot of people behind it, a lot of support. So most likely you buy this, you can sell it for money, make instant profit or hold it and make profit. That's why it's an asset. So there was so many people trying to do this when it came out that the website wasn't working. I sent Nafis a link to a tweet that was like, hey, we're working on like fixing this from the official monkey ball people uh, should be up in a few minutes. And, you know, this Nafis and I are both furiously trying to get this thing. We're trying to claim it. You know, we're clicking and clicking and clicking on this button. And in the tweet I sent him, there was a fake monkey ball account that had a link saying, hey, you can now mint if you click here. And someone made a fake website that you went to that looked like the monkey ball website. And you clicked it as soon as you saw it, right? You, you saw that tweet, you clicked it, you connected your wallet and they took your money immediately. That's what happened. Um, that's pretty much what happened in a nutshell, Charlie. Um, I, I'll give some of my backstory so people know a little bit more of what was going on. Uh, I'll first preface and say, um, I, we said we were, I was scammed, but um, this is definitely something most people can very easily avoid. Um, this is like more simpler than what I would call like a very basic phishing scam. The backstory is <clears throat> Charlie's being a, the best friend I could ever have when it comes to, let's say like you, you have a friend that's like good at finance. Charlie's doing all the research. You know, Richard is helping us. He's really, you know, Charlie and Richard are communicating about this minting process. Um, honestly, I'm doing other things and Charlie's really giving me the upload on how to sort of be involved. So at this time of this mint, um, it's sort of like in the middle of the day. So, you know, and any normal person's kind of trying to do stuff. So um, I'm trying to simultaneously multitask, which I'm not the greatest at. Um, Charlie can definitely attest to. Yeah, you, you do have a tough time sometimes multitasking. Uh, I'm a very single focus type of person. Yes. He, when he have, focuses, oh, he puts his all in it, baby. <laughs> yeah, if you've got my attention, you've got my attention. But otherwise, I'm, nah, don't that. tell me to multitask. I, I don't believe in that, at least for myself. So you know, we see that the mint's not working. Uh, Charlie sends me a link to a tweet. I'm reading all these tweets. Everyone's saying like, it's not working. People are saying uh, there's a term called like the rug being pulled. So meaning like, you know, it, it's, uh, the project is more corrupt. A scam. Like, yeah. yeah. People are just trying to make money off you. It's not legitimate. Exactly. Yeah. So there's all this stuff going on and I'm still trying to like, you know, multitask, do other things, but also get in on this NFT drop. So I'm refreshing my browser a thousand times in one window. And then I see this one subtweet that's like, Hey, 
we are still minting monkey balls or whatever. And all you got to do is go to monkeyball.site. My dumbass went immediately to the website, which mind you looks pretty similar to the drop website. Not too far off. Like if I had spent an extra five to six seconds just looking at the website and like realizing it was fake, that's all I would have needed. And it was literally about that much time where I said, I said out loud to Charlie, Hey, I found a, I found the website. It's a new link. And all you got to do is like connect your wallet here. And as I click the button to, you know, connect my bank account, which steals all your money immediately. Like there's no, there's no delay. Uh, Charlie's like, Hey, that's a scam. It was like slow motion. I I remember this. You were like, Hey, I I, I just saw a tweet with a a link where, where you can actually mint it. It's working. And I was like, wait, where did you see that? I don't see it. And like, as I said that you had already connected the wallet. It's gone gone immediately. So this is something common for people that buy NFTs. They know about these scams. Um, Richard, again, our, our NFT friend was like, you know what? It's okay in office. You're not a real uh, NFT collector if you haven't um, been scammed at least 10 times or so. Lesson learned. I, I think we're okay. Scared money don't make money. That's right. Scared money don't make money. You lost, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're comfortable revealing it. I think you are because we put it's it already like on Instagram. It's about to $600. Yeah, you lost about five to six hundo. You know, is what yeah. it is. If you see a link in Twitter related to anything nfts crypto especially if it has instead of dot com dot site uh which is what Noff has clicked on maybe don't click on it maybe ask a friend maybe reach out to us like, is this legitimate we can tell you immediately maybe not an office but i could i don't know what it is like um for whatever reason i i didn't really feel a whole lot when i lost that money honestly i guess you it's laughed like, a lot actually I, yeah i guess it's just like i work in tech I see phishing scams like this all the time. Yeah. And like, I just find it funny when people fall for them. And the fact that I felt for like the easiest play in the book, I'm like, yeah, there is something ironically funny about it that I just can't even be upset at because like, I re- this just shouldn't have happened. And like, I can't be upset at anyone aside from myself. And then what's the whole point of being upset at myself? You immediately laughed at yourself about it. That was so stupid. I love that. And then I said, fuck it. I'm buying some NFTs off OpenSea. That's right. So we did buy NFTs right after this. You know what? We didn't get these monkey balls. Who cares? Mind you, we tried two other mints that day. Yeah. A total of three mints that all did not work out for us, but we got our NFTs, baby. That's right. So we went on the popular site, OpenSea. This is where you buy (laughs) NFTs. Uh, And we bought crypto dads and crypto moms. And so just to explain to people what this is, essentially... These NFTs are digital photos of the crypto dads or of dads and of moms for the crypto moms. And eventually these will be able to be ported into a game. They may be an animated series. There's a lot of sponsorships with them, but we prayed approximately, I would say, uh, I think each of us paid around 1200 to 1500 each for a crypto dad <laughs> and 500 to 700 for the crypto mom each, right? Something like that. Um, I- was the crypto mom that expensive? Really? I, after I, all the fees and everything, I, I believe so. How much was yours? Five hundred. Yeah. So yeah. Well, anyways, yeah. That we we, Damn, we invested in some NFTs. Uh, so we're hoping these go up. You know, uh, Richard did put us on to these. They might not go, but they, they, we think they will. They, there's a lot of support behind it. <clears> but just so you guys can see this, uh, I, I think we'll put a poll on Instagram. Just which crypto, which set of NFTs? So we each have essentially a dad and a mom 
from the from each of these NFT series, Novice and I, uh, which one you think will be higher valued or which is a better investment rather? And mine are sexier. I'm just going to say it. I think mine actually a little rare, you know, a little bit more. Well, one of his is pretty rare. If he one didn't buy it, rare. I was going to buy good, it. I, got I was about to buy it too. I, was yeah, about- I, I got a rare NFT. So we'll put a poll up. You guys tell us which one you think is more valuable. Uh, but we do have some other poll follow-ups actually too uh, from our last oh, episode. Yes, we do. Uh, one of them. So this is actually a very, a very small comment you made on the last podcast. But I, I want I took a note of it because I, I thought it'd be interesting to ask the audience. So uh, for anyone that is, ever, you know, when you're in school and then someone else breaks an arm, breaks a leg and they get a cast. Have you ever been envious of another kid in school because they got all the attention while people were signing their cast? So we put this poll out there on Instagram. I voted no. I believe you voted yes. Yeah, I had to uh, help the yeses out. That's right. And you also, you know, you did bring this up. This was kind of your yeah, thing. Yeah, I felt like I had to. I yeah. had to. I had to back it. And, and this one uh, was a little bit close, but the nose when we had sixty-one percent of you all voted no, thirty-nine uh, percent uh, voted yes. I don't think too surprising there. I think honestly, like there's more yeses there than I might have expected. Really? Okay. It's yeah. closer to like, you know what? You know, half. Yeah. You're actually right. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I was very confident in my opinion there, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's a little bit more people, but yes, than not. I don't know. I just, yeah. I would rather just not break a limb. I could care less if, you know, uh, people signed it or not, but the other poll I find very interesting. So we've been talking about five, <laughs> oh we've, we've been talking about 5g lately and how it affects airplanes. You know, there's, there's all these issues where whatever the, the radio interface, uh, interference with C band and uh, the airline pilots and their radio communication, wh- whatever the, could potentially go wrong. Everyone's worried about it. So we asked the audience just a very general question, something that's come up a lot with 5G as it's been rolled out. Are you concerned for your personal health because of 5G cellular wireless service being, you know, uh, rolled out or, across the country? Uh, and, and for anyone that doesn't know why we're asking this, um, some people call them conspiracy theories. I, I don't want to ruffle any feathers of people that, you know, do believe this to be true or do not. But there are a lot of people that believe 5G is bad for your health, causes all certain things. And then there's people who don't. Uh, I voted no personally on this. I believe Novice also did. Uh, but this poll went 29% yes and 71% no in terms of believing that 5G uh, 71% believe that 5G is not bad for your health. That's a lot higher than I expected. Uh, I really need to go on Instagram and check who those people are. Yeah. That's how I feel immediately. Now, I'm going to stop and qualify specifically for those people that said yes. There is one thing that I think about, and this is like the more like, this is the weird part of me that just thinks about these types of things where it's like, I think about the world in the form of vibrations and we're all sort of just all vibrating. We're all made of these atoms, all of that stuff. We have all of these different frequencies that are also coexisting with us. And hey, there is a potential. We don't know about the effect of all these things that we brought into our world, like microwaves and radio waves and Bluetooth among all these invisible things that we don't know that could be potentially affecting us because I like to believe like about energy on some sort of metaphysical level, but does this really, is this, I guess like I, I don't even 
bring myself to be concerned about it because I feel like I have no power on it. So why? But I'm also a tech enthusiast too. So I'm all about it. But would I be going as far as being like, I'm not going to wear a Bluetooth headset? No, I'm not going to do that because that just seems inconvenient. But there are people that I know that specifically choose not to wear Bluetooth headsets because, you know, they're directly on your head and Bluetooth could be messing with you in some sort of way. So, you know, I I think I I was being a little bit too nice in terms of not saying my real opinion, but I I think it's ridiculous to say that 5G is going to mess with your health (laughs) and that it's a, it's a conspiracy theory and the, the, the things that are spicy, the the things that are out there. So I, I will be honest. We had one person who responded to our poll and told us, yes, I am concerned and I am concerned as well for my pets and it also is killing lizards and bees. Um, so this person, and, and I, I, <laughs> that's uh, more of a laugh cough just for yes, the audience oh, yes. to know. Uh, yes. It's, uh, he's every time that I make him laugh now, since he, he's had COVID weeks uh, ago, uh, he coughs very, very much as well. Yeah. This has happened to me in the past as well, but regardless, it's called the COVID cough. Yeah. yeah we call COVID it the COVID laugh. laugh. I, I don't know what we call it, but it's been, you guys happening. know what it is. Yeah. You already know what it is. You probably have COVID, but <laughs> Uh, this person that reached out, I said, okay, you know, like, so, um, you know, I, I said, why? I, I said, where did you get proof of this? Or like, do, where did you find proof of this? Yeah. I just asked, you know, very, very innocently, you know, I didn't say anything negative. You know, I just said, do you, do you mind sending, you know, just like kind of where you got this information about the bees and the lizards, you know, being affected by this. Um, and so the person sent an article from 2019, um, uh, the, the the domain was ridiculous. It was like applenewsglobal.com. I have no idea. Uh, not something I would call reputable whatsoever. Uh, however, uh, it just said, yeah, bees were dying around this 5G thing that was put up. Um, you know, and that was, and she, and, and the person also said, you know, that wasn't the original article I thought, but I just found that. Uh, when I typed in um, bees dying from 5G into Google myself and did my own research, I found a Reddit post of someone mocking this and saying, hello, I am a bee uh, and 5G is going to kill me. Please don't support 5G. And then all these Redditors making fun of it. So that's about the extent that I have of proof for this. (laughs) But I think my favorite part of this whole engagement is um, the way I was involved with this engagement is like almost a fly on the wall since we're both on the Instagram yeah. um, account, you know, we'll get notifications of people messaging in. And so I'll get snippets of part, like one yeah. side of the conversation, obviously not getting notifications on the other. So I'll take a look at my phone and before even knowing about this whole situation, I'm already on the same Reddit threat that Charlie yeah. was on. And by the time we communicate with one another, I'm like, ah, yes, I'm a beat. Yes, I'm a B and 5G is going to kill me. Help, help. That was essentially what the Reddit thread said. So, so yeah, I think this is ridiculous. It's a conspiracy theory. If you really think 5G is, is affecting your health, I mean, get with it. I don't care. Come at me. Whatever. Not is so much nicer about it, but you know what? Like, yeah, maybe there's things we don't know about with, with all types of things. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. It, 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 it's not specifically yeah. the 5G. It's no. just more of like, that's the hot thing, whatever. Yeah, 5G, whatever. I, I yeah. So sorry to the, I don't, I don't even know if they listen to the podcast. I'll probably never hear this, but to the person that uh, did respond with how you feel about it, I respect your opinion. 
Um, I appreciate that you voted in the poll and that you sent me a link from a I very like reputable, spicy today. A yeah. reputable domain such as applenewsglobal.com. I, I, I do appreciate that. You're the best. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to get back to NFTs a little bit as we uh, actually get into some trending tech here. Uh, and we'll move away from that poll where I just kind of, you know, bash one of our listeners <laughs> who happens to be one of your girlfriend's good friends. Um, I have no comment. Great. Well, I have comments on GameStop and what they're doing with NFTs. So they are not getting scammed by NFTs. They're actually saying, you know what? We're going to write into this baby. They hired 20 plus people, high level people too. Not just like, you know, little interns like, hey, do you know about NFTs? Like, you know, just come on in and like, you know, tell us what you know. Like, you, you get oh, crypto man. dad. No, nah, they hired some high level people, new division in GameStop focused on NFTs and cryptocurrency. GameStop this past year blew up as a meme stock. What that means, you know, a lot of people on Reddit figured oh, out ways if only to. Gary bo- was here. Oh, yeah. Gary loves GameStop. He's invested. Uh, the mother of all squeezes is coming soon, according Hashtag to Gary. Moaz, if yeah. you're right on it. Yeah, the squeeze for the stock will be coming. This might help. You, but you yeah. better, you better, you know, transfer all of your 401k money into GameStop. Novas essentially did that, but I, I not all. Oh, not a lot all. There is a good portion that I might have yeah. diverted in that direction. But what I will say, GameStop did a really smart move here. So they're already on the up and up just because of all of the the meme talk, everything up there. Um, they they made some good moves too, just in terms of keeping their business viable, which I did not expect with all of this. They are, I'm impressed. So yeah. GameStop really made use of an opportunity, which is them becoming a meme stop. Yeah. And with their stock price rising as a result of like all of the speculative trading, yeah. they used all of that money and are starting is starting to reinvest it into their company to make it something that actually has value. Exactly. Because if you asked me this time last year, like if GameStop is a legitimate company, I was like, no, they're yeah. just this brick and mortar store that the only thing people really know about them these days is like this meme about how they undercharge you or, you know, like they basically hit you in the shorts if you're trying to resell your games or something. They don't really have any other purpose, especially when there's things like online sales. Exactly. And I think too, so what's smart about this and what's smart, like really smart about this for GameStop is NFTs have a lot of utility and use that has to do with video games. So just a little bit ago, we talked about Monkey Ball, which was tied to a game. Even the crypto data example is eventually going to be tied to a game. A lot of NFTs and cryptocurrency, you know, by way of that are going to be tied to video games, whether it's just regular games in the metaverse in the future, right? So they're going to have an online hub that'll house NFTs. You'll be able to put cryptocurrency into it. It'll tie directly with games and their GameStop. It, it, it's a, a brilliant it, idea. It, it seems makes like a sense. match made in heaven. Yes. And like for some of the people who you know aren't really gamers, like and why we might be harping on the gaming aspect is one in when it comes to video games, there's all these sort of collectible items, especially within the video game ecosystem. Yeah. And what most people might not be able to imagine is that there's a lot of money specifically when it comes to just buying in game digital assets. So much money. It's insane. You know, let's say for example, I mean, if you're, if you're a parent, then you might know this, but it's about like Fortnite. There are what, what are typically called skins, which are just really costumes for your character or whatever it is. It could be even for weapons and whatnot. And people pay money 
to purchase these things currently. So really, it's almost creating this new platform that legitimizes the purchase of these sort of skins or whatnot. And I don't know, maybe gives it some more backing in like a in the sense of reality. So like you said, uh, match made in heaven, their stock went up instantly after this came up. So GameStop, perfect move from the 401k looking good. Yeah, 401k is <laughs> looking good for novice retirement. Uh, probably still around the same time that's projected, but you know what? It's, it, it Retiring four years later yeah, based four, on some other investments. Retiring at 75 now instead of 71. <laughs> but, but novice, we've talked a lot about NFTs. We've talked a lot about just GameStop. We've talked about polls. We've talked about 5G. Let's talk about something a little bit different, something a little bit more active. Some of these oh, brands yes. that get us out there working out. Is there any, there might be drama between these brands. You know a little bit more about this than me. So tell me what's going on with uh, Nike and Lululemon. So if you guys have listened to our episodes and if not, we are both fans of Lululemon. We are fans of, I, I don't like the Lululemon uh, uh, pronunciation from anonymous listener number two. I forgot I'm where I got that it. from. I just started saying yeah. it and I kind of kept going. Yeah, that was from it. an old episode. Anonymous listener said, that's, we, we love you, anonymous <laughs> listener number two. But regardless, uh, yeah, we Lululemon. are. Lululemon. Lululemon. I'm wearing Lululemon right now. I wear it most days. Oh, yeah, you're fully Lululemon down. I am, you? dude. I, I just, uh, I'm a fanboy. Apple, Lululemon. I'm just- also wearing Lululemon. I'm wearing my, one of my most favorite pullovers. Very comfortable. You look great. Thank it, you. It really shows that chest real well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm flexing them right now. Yeah. Um. So... Back to the topic at hand, it is about Lululemon, but what is surprisingly in the mix is Nike is suing Lululemon over their sports tech patents. I will say this right off the bat. I think it's kind of hilariously ridiculous. It's very similar to a story Charlie covered in a previous episode. So what's going on is Lululemon has this new product. And if you have been you know, into any sort of athleisure, you might even get ads serving this. It's about this product called the Mirror, which yeah. Which is essentially this device you mount to your wall. It looks pretty much like a mirror and it shows you video, like pre recorded workouts. You can sort of track certain elements of it if you yeah. have like an Apple Watch or other devices that sort of track, um, like, you know, di- like different things like calories burned and whatnot. And ultimately, Nike is going after Lululemon on a few of these patents that they've had since 1983, um, since they've released this mirror. Um, I'm going to go ahead and quickly kind of browse through some of the things that they're infringing on. Um, but I'll say again, it's kind of ridiculous. So one of them is about this technology that prompts two different people in different locations to compete in a challenge. Um, another one is to instruct users based on heart rate. Um, and then there's another one that's about giving users rewards or some sort of like, you know, digital incentive, um, based on performance and like streaks that they might have in terms of using the platform. Uh, and then the last one is like about sharing activity on social media. Which the last one really gets me. The, the, those are ridiculous too. If if that's, I mean, obviously that's in the lawsuit. That's what's in the news here. But like, those are all things that every single fitness app essentially has in there. Like exactly. Competing in a challenge, heart rate, awards for having a streak, and then sharing to social media. That's the crux of like any activity. It, exactly. And at this point, um, I'm one just disappointed in Nike. For, like... 
I guess like, you know, if you've got money in the game, you're going to come at anyone at this point. Yeah. But I just feel like Nike's above that. So there's been a lot of lawsuits lately that are, that get back to Lululemon, whether they're, you know, signing them out or not. So Novice, you brought up how we've been talking about them before. Exactly. So, yeah. I believe it was Lululemon first was suing Peloton because Peloton partner with Adidas, Nike, Lululemon, Four Laps, other big athletic brands. All the brands. And they would put Peloton on it, right? Just, you know, white label it, right? But totally normal to do. Then Peloton said, hey, we're coming out with Peloton apparel. It's our own made thing. It's our own stuff, our own material. Like we're, we're cutting out all these other brands, right? Except it was the exact same thing in Lululemon like in terms of the material and everything, particularly when it came to leggings, I believe it was. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, Lululemon's like, yo, that's literally our leggings and you're just <laughs> stealing it. And now you're cutting out our logo. Like, and so they sued them for that. And then I believe they sued them back for like something with like. So, yeah. yes. So what's funny is to kind of bring this all full circle yeah. is Peloton sued Lululemon back and essentially claimed that their claims originally were too broad on yes. selling, you know, leggings and this is, you know, something they can sell too. And Lululemon essentially used that same argument back towards Nike when it came to, you know, their mirror device. So that's hypocritical as shit, right? I mean, it's just like I mean, that's what's so weird about yeah. it. It's like, I mean, so with with leggings, perhaps it feels a little bit more tangible in that sense. Yeah. And maybe I'm just a Lululemon fanboy. I don't know that many like clothing retailers that I really kind of, I'm like, yeah, like I love the clothes that I have from them are great. The only thing that I would say that I don't like about them and is the same feedback I have to most retailers is like, oh, you don't fit me, which isn't a real like criticism. It's yeah. just like I have a size that's hard to really fit for, but you know, like, that I can say is a little bit more reasonable. Nike, I I think you're out of line here. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, especially too, like these patents were made in 1984. Uh, no one could conceive at that in that year that there would be a mirror that can, you know, obviously you see yourself in the mirror. It's tracking how you're moving. It's calculating calories. Maybe it's tied to a watch that knows your calories and there's video showing on this mirror. That, that, that would blow their minds in 1984. They would say you're wild, that you're like, you're speaking just nonsense, right? Like it could never happen. So it's, it's ridiculous that they're using these patents. I, I I don't know why they're all suing each other over shit that just doesn't even matter. Like not like the the leggings were probably the most blatant thing. I will say. I can say the leggings. Yeah. I feel like that that's kind of their bread and butter. That's yeah. like that's what they're kind of known for. And Peloton too. I think they had just an agreement in general with all of these clothing companies where it's like, hey, we're gonna you know partner with you. You know, we'll make sure everything. And then they just said, screw you guys. <laughs> we're doing it ourselves. We don't want to give you any of the cut. So it that makes sense, but this Nike one's nuts. So there's a lot of news about this lately. The three of these uh, companies suing each other, kind of like a suing love triangle here. So I, I don't know who's gonna win. Who cares? I'm disappointed in Nike. I'm just saying yeah, that. Come no, on, Nike, you're better than this. Yeah, Nike doesn't need to be doing this shit. They make so much money. Yeah, Who you, cares? you've got enough yeah. going on. All you got, like I, I will say this. Nike's tech, I think, is fucking like I like I read an article about you yeah. know how many users they have. I think fucking Nike's tech barely exists or it's not great. Yeah, it, at least it, for consumers. Yeah, it, it it it's a ridiculous thing to do. Who cares? It's unfounded. Show me your mirror, Nike. Show me what you were actually going to produce that this really is affecting you. Like yeah. it, it's not right. But 
Gonna pivot to something a little bit different in trending tech news. It is completely outdated. Novice, did you ever play Farmville on Facebook? <sighs> Charlie, I've been waiting for someone to ask me this question. That's sad. For why, years. That, that's very sad. Why, why have you been waiting for years? I just want to let you know that I was one of the first movers when it came to Farmville. Really? It just happened to be this summer where it just kind of came out. Yeah. And um, all it's all about sort of like, you know, planting crops and managing production. Yes. And um, I had gotten to a level where I could plant this sort of specific crop that was like, I don't know how to describe it aside from it provided the perfect yield for the amount of time investment, but it took a lot of time investment to get there. So I did that during the summer break between school where I put way too much time into this game. And then from there I could coast and make dumb amounts of money. I, I, I can't even you did uh, not expect this. Did you? Well, I, I can't say I, I can't even fault you on this. I, I love resource management games. Yes. Growing up. That's always been my shit. Uh, but yes, I did not expect that you played Farmville at a level where you had elite crops that took a long time to get to. And again, for anyone that doesn't know what Farmville is, um, Farmville is a very shitty web browser versus game that really was only in Facebook. It was, it was one of those fa- Facebook. It was a Facebook game. And because it was kind of one of the first that blew up, uh, and this might have been circa, I would guess, 2010, 2011, when this really first started and blew up. Around that time, maybe a couple of years earlier, whatever, just around that time, uh, a lot of people are doing it. There was a lot of ways like you refer with friends, you add friends on there, you could see each other's farms, all this stuff. Like, embarrassingly enough, this is like if if I were to compare this like for today to any other app, it would be like this middle aged woman playing Candy Crush. That's like the closest thing I could kind of bring it to. <laughs> so I, I feel like there was no need to say middle aged woman there. I think oh, you no. could have just said compared to Candy Crush. No, middle aged women love Candy Crush. A lot of people like Candy Crush, but you're right. I think it is accessible. So I could see a middle aged woman uh, going to Candy Crush on her phone and getting to level 938 or yeah. whatever it is. But you know, to bring it back to the actual trending tech news here, Nafis, very Sorry. proud of you for what you did on Farmville of your exotic crop. I had but, a lot of a lot of production. Yeah, and you've been waiting years to tell people about this, apparently. I have. Well, what you can now tell people is that the same people that make Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption take two interactive, they own the company, they own Rockstar, which makes Grand Theft Auto. They decided that they're going to have a deal to purchase Zanga. And Zanga is the people that own Farmville, Words of Friends. They do a lot of web browser versus game or based games. They agreed to a deal. And this deal is $12.7 billion in office to purchase them. So the same people that, that own uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto will now soon uh, own Farmville, the Zanga company, right? And if this deal, it, it's likely going to go through. But when it goes through, this will be the biggest video game acquisition in history. $12.7 billion within the video game industry. Honestly, so like this, this catches my eye and, you know, it's for a number of reasons. So one is um, I had way too much of some sort of like affinity towards Farmville when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, but also when I first originally started getting into like stock trading, um, Zynga is one of the like first companies I looked into and they at first once when Farmville was like a thing at the time I was using it, their stock price was much higher. Yeah. Um, then very quickly afterwards, they had tanked down to like three to $4. Okay. Um, and I just took a quick look at like the stock ticker. They sort of 
stayed around that price point until recent years, and now they're around you know ten to eight dollars. So I think what's interesting is nice. it's a company that struggled for you know you know the last five to ten years, started kind of picking things back up, getting things in the right place to be able to get acquired by companies that. I would like to assume know what they're doing, especially yeah. when it comes to Grand Theft Auto and like Red Dead Redemptions. Right. Yeah. That's a mouthful. Yeah, no. So it and the reason why companies like Take Two, again, the that own Rockstar Games, which is Grand Theft Auto, why they're purchasing this, mostly because okay, so Take Two obviously has a very good uh, hold on huge uh IPs that within the video game industry, right? Now they don't so much on the mobile side. They don't have a lot of mobile games. They don't have a Candy Crush. They don't have a big game. Now, Zanga, you know, their Farmville, their words with friends, you know, they have a lot of popular mobile games too that are they're outside of those two big ones. They now have a company that has done this. They've done it well. And they were honestly some of the first in the industry to ever do this. So if anything, Take-Two is trying to compete with bigger uh, video game company rivals, you know, whether it's Blizzard, whether it's EA Games. Uh, because mobile gaming is only continuing to increase, right? So, you know, obviously consoles are still going strong. It's very hard to get a PS5, PC gaming. Of course, everything's going well, but everyone has a phone. You got middle-aged women playing Candy Crush. They want in on that, those middle-aged women. They want to take two interactive. Me too. Yeah, not novice want in on them too, you know. You, you want to play Candy Crush for some of these uh these ladies here? Yeah, I'm definitely crushing some candies. I don't know what that means, but Me if you're a cougar and you're listening, um, he's interested in uh, candy crushing. And if you. you're a flight attendant, that's double. That's right. He does. Uh, he's very interested in the, in the profession of <laughs> flight attendants. For I have no idea why. He looked in what it takes to. We talked about this in the previous episode. He looked into what it takes to become a flight attendant. He wants to travel perks. Uh, I mean, nothing wrong with, with with the profession. Just very random for. An IT Salesforce admin, <laughs> a career focused person to just allude to this interest in just becoming a flight attendant kind of uh, subtly. To round out this topic, it's interesting. I, I like to see that sort of like a uh, a well-run company that's been essentially... You I know, totally thought you were going to talk about flight attendants still. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was actually just rounding out the end of this. Um, I, 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 I going to round out the flight attendant topic. Oh, no. Oh, no. Very good. Okay. Yeah. But but continue with the, the more relevant oh, trading tech. Yes. So rounding this out, um, I think take two purchasing Zynga is... It just makes sense to purchase a company that's already done things well, but kind of bringing them to the next level. Yeah, it's it's a smart move from them. It, it makes perfect sense. But I do want to get into the main meaty topic now, Noff, uh, which is one that is you know definitely one that's divisive among people when it comes to mobile devices, Android versus Apple. You know, uh, well, first let me ask you, Noffice, when you first you know start texting someone, whether it's a friend, new connection, or whatever, and you get a green text message from them, how do you feel? Bad. Me too. I feel bad. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> that this is just not, not what I wanted to see. Right. You're just like, or you may think, is this some automated text that is just not a real person? Maybe like a robo texter type thing, right? Like if it's like a random number or something. So I don't think that initially, but I would say that's baked in subconsciously. Exactly. I think a lot of people and it's definitely become biased, right? If you're an, an Apple user and you get, see a green text message, there's a negative connotation to it. And, and it makes sense. It's just, you don't have the same features and everything like that. But why is that the case, right? Like why can't Apple 
integrate those features. So there's been a lot of news lately about this, which really talks about why Apple does not make text messaging and iMessage married up, kind of unified into one kind of platform that speaks together and has the same functionality. Democratizing texting. Exactly. So to take a step back, you're an Apple user and you text another Apple user, you're essentially using a platform called iMessage. iMessage is baked into the Apple ecosystem. You can be on your MacBook, your laptop, can be on an iPad, you can be on an iPhone. As long as you're texting someone within the Apple ecosystem, you will see blue text messages from them. You're able to, you know, do a lot of different types of features with it. You can reply to them. You can give a thumbs up. You can heart a message. You can send rich media, which means very high quality photos and images. Lots of different things, right? However, Anyone outside of the Apple ecosystem, they send you something, it will turn into what's called an SMS or an MMS message that comes as green. Or if it's an image or a video, it'll be a scaled down or a lesser quality version of that image or video to affect file size. So as an Apple user, or if someone, you know, you're texting, obviously you're not going to like these green text messages. You're losing functionality that you're used to with other people with Apple phones. And then, you know, your text messages that you're getting, you know, you don't have the same features. You can't see if someone's typing currently too, which is another big thing, right? So why don't non-Apple phones conform? Why don't they do this? Why doesn't it work? And it's not that easy. The SMS and MMS technology has been around for a really long time. That that was essentially the first iteration, right? Ultimately, they're outdated. What I think is funny about all of this is almost the way Apple utilizes this technology yeah. is it poises this assumption for Apple users to look at non-Apple users and say, how are you still using this old standard that we have to, you know, essentially change our texting capability to be able to communicate with you, which I've learned is not necessarily the case, right? It's not at all, no. So non-Apple phones aren't really using SMS and MMS anymore. They're actually using RCS. Really what that means to the listeners here is is RCS is essentially iMessage for non-Apple phones. It's a different protocol. Yeah. You know, it's it's identical to iMessage, really. Like when you look on an Android phone. Yeah, Androids are not using SMS and MMS. It's outdated obsolete obsolete technology. They kind of work with carriers, create some sort of universal profile, and then you'll be able to, as an Android user, communicate with other Android users with very similar functionality that iMessage provides. Exactly. So the only time that SMS and MMS, so the green text messages that you see as an Apple user are really used anymore is when a non-Apple person is talking to an Apple person. That's the only reason it's really still around. I mean, maybe in some like remote weird cases they would still use it like for lower i I don't know but probably not yeah it's 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 the only reason it's still around and like you said that perception is created for apple users that it's android users that need to conform to apple's iMessage. And, and the funny thing is is like i've thought about this in the past i've known that apple is purposely doing this in some yeah. in some essence right like in this way that Hey, I'm sure that you could, like I mentioned earlier, democratize the way texting is yeah. done and make things more inclusive. And I knew that sort of this differentiation, at least based on color, at least was done purposely. So that way people look down on Androids when you're an yeah. Apple user. But I didn't realize 
that they're purposely using obsolete technology to also be involved with this when there is technology that's most definitely out there. So really what Apple, so this is what Apple would do if Apple was just doing what was optimal for everyone in the world. What they would do is they would say, hey, okay, we get it. iMessage and this RCS, which is essentially iMessage for everything that's not Apple, we could make them communicate with one another. So the basic functionality that Apple users like within iMessage, such as, you know, reacting to text messages, replying in a thread, the, the high quality images and videos can be universal. One universal language. Everyone talks together all nicely, right? So they're not doing this. They're not allowing this to happen. And it would be very easy for them to do it. And it makes sense from a business aspect, right? Where, okay, if you're Apple and that's one of the differentiators and you already have such a high adoption rate of Apple phones, particularly in the United States, why would you allow your competitor being Google, Android, all those different devices in on an ecosystem? They have a term for this internally that's been leaked through a lot of things. So we're going to get into some of it a little bit called the walled garden. And this is essentially their entire business practice. Yeah, it's beautiful. Honestly, it's a very beautiful term for it. Yes. The walled (laughs) garden means garden essentially symbolizes the Apple ecosystem. It's a beautiful garden of devices that all just work so well together. Very seamless. It's paradise. It's paradise. It's like the garden of Eden. And the forbidden fruit is Apple, but it's really just all the devices and it's not forbidden. You can all eat it within this walled garden, right? But outside of the garden, you are fucking discriminated against. And and, you're green. And you're poor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if we should say people. I I throw in the word poor. because of expensive Apple. Yeah, I was going to say there is some sort of classist divide there because like. Yo, Apple devices are not cheap. Yeah. And naturally, like if you cannot afford to buy an Apple device, you're going to buy an affordable device that exactly. kind of does the basics. You're, you're, you are right. So the walled garden approach is exactly that. They, they want everyone within the ecosystem to feel like they're part of just these beautiful products. They're very seamless. They work together. But the walled part is... You're walled into this garden and they want you to be walled in. It works. We we are aware of this and we love it. We don't care. We're I think we're in this garden all day. Well, for, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm harvesting the garden. It's like Farmville up in there. These exotic oh, yeah. things. I don't even care. You, Harvesting you can, sunflowers, baby. You can wall baby. me in all you want. But what this does is this is exactly why they will not open up to RCS and you know, it is just, they will not let it happen. It's going to take something huge for this to happen. Right. But there's been proof too of, of them actually doing this. So, yeah. So Charlie, before you get into that, what's very interesting is I mentioned earlier, I've known this to be in the back of my mind. And this is definitely an Apple thing. Like if we wanted to combine messaging platforms or create something a little bit more universal, more inclusive when it comes to messaging that the technology's clearly been there. Right. But what's been more notable about this is that there's been a lawsuit between Epic Games and Apple that actually has produced paperwork and legal essentially records that prove a little bit more of what they've been doing with iMessage uh, when it came to that specific case. And, and just for that case, I believe we probably talked about in a very early episode, Epic Games is a video game company um, which has produced Fortnite. And I believe they were going around the Apple store when it comes to commissions and like the payouts. I think they have to pay 30% yeah. to Apple when it comes to in-game uh, purchases. They were basically circumventing that and taking all the money themselves, which had led to a lawsuit, which had led to a lot of private documents 
that Apple had to become public, which has now revealed a lot more of the truth behind the scenes with iMessage, you know, being that they are behind the scenes, making sure that Apple iMessage is really reserved for iMessage users. Yeah. So this was back in 2013, this lawsuit with Epic Games. Is it that long ago? Holy I know. Crap. I, I, I felt, so old. I felt old. old as shit when I, I read that. Oh my that. God. But yeah, internal records were made public during this lawsuit. And one of the things that was actually happening at that time, this was before Facebook acquired WhatsApp, which was a very smart move by Facebook. WhatsApp is still used widely on Android phones. We're going to circle back to that in a little yeah. bit. But uh, some of the documents that came out during this lawsuit with the Epic Games Company uh, from Apple is uh, the concern that Google was in talks to buy WhatsApp. And holy shit, if Google bought WhatsApp, things would be very different. They should. Oh my God, you're they, right. They really mm. should have pushed to buy WhatsApp. Holy shit. In hindsight, that could have been, you know, obviously Google's doing fine. Like they, you know, they're, they're not hurting. But when it comes to this I messaging thing, if Google had bought an WhatsApp, they could have integrated it with, with Android. This would be a very different conversation. Like maybe not that different, but they would have a better footing on they would. messaging It would almost be like there's this duopoly in place. Yes. That, like there's two companies that really have very strong messaging platforms. Exactly. Google, Apple, and that's it. Yeah. That's not the case. Facebook bought them. But before that was the case, Google was in talks. They were highly thought to actually be the ones that were going to purchase WhatsApp. And that really concerned Apple. So there were a lot of internal records that were released during this lawsuit that we're talking about where they were saying, hey, we are concerned that Google will buy WhatsApp. We need to get ahead of this. Hey, let's fast track a project to make iMessage available to Android users and just try to integrate it, figure out how to monetize it. So Apple executives, they were concerned about Google potentially getting WhatsApp and they were saying, and they were toying with the idea of making iMessage open to Android users because of that to keep people on iMessage when Google would then get WhatsApp to keep the adoption rate there. Makes perfect sense. So that didn't happen. Facebook bought WhatsApp, right? So that project that was thought of to be fast tracked, executives then said, okay, why would we do that? We have no reason to do that now. Everything's already segmented between Facebook, all the different messaging apps, Google, Android. And then we have iMessage. There's no need to do this anymore. And so this all, while this is all just very common sense that Apple, you know, wouldn't want iMessage to be available to other people, keep people in the platform, this became very public because of the lawsuit. So it is just well known their business practice and what they're doing here and why they're not open to it. So that's why that's important for this piece. And, yeah. And what's also just so interesting about it is iMessage is such a key component when it comes to the retention of people using Apple devices. Yes. And then honestly, some migration from Android devices to Apple devices and strictly because of a messaging platform. You know, like when it comes to messaging, it is just something that you're in all day and it changes the way you engage with people. And yeah. I didn't think about it uh, until I thought of like, the little things that iMessage provides. And if you don't have it, you're sort of just out of the loop, right? Yeah. And so there's a couple of things I, I want to get into here. A lot of it did come from this Wall Street Journal article. So one of the things is within Apple iMessage, you know, there's a lot, like you just said, reasons why people are gravitating towards it, but a lot of it's very social. So let's say that you're a young kid, you're in high school, maybe, or, you know, and, and all of your friends, you start texting them and there's a group text 
and you have an Android phone and people don't want to add you to the group text because it ruins up the iMessage experience, right? Oh my God. That's so funny. Kids would do that in high school too. Cause they're fucking savage. Exactly. <laughs> it, it would be, it, you would immediately beg your parents day in and day out to get an Apple iPhone. And honestly, that situation alone, I think has driven this. So the stats here that from wall street journal show in 2015 kids aged in the U S from 18 to 24, only 37% were iPhone users. Wow. So back in 2015, you know, still because iPhones were a little bit more expensive, they were still somewhat new compared to like all the older devices. You probably still had Blackberries lingering slightly. Who knows? Right. So 37%. Now you look at 2020 and 2021. In 2020, that number was 72% of kids 18 to 24 Just have an iPhone. 74%. It went up two percentage points last year. So it continues to go up. Yeah. 2021, it was 74%. So that's how drastically it's changed over the years. So obviously Apple has grown a lot over the years, but I think a lot of the social norms and the green text kind of bias in uh, shaming, honestly, has been one of the main drivers. And I, I want to add a little bit more to that note, yeah. Charlie, when it comes to the stats. So I, I found this stat pretty surprising. I believe that's in the U.S. Um, only 40% of the U.S. population are Apple users. But within that 18 to the 24 range, that generation in and of itself has 70%. So yeah. it's almost this investment in social engagement into a generation that knows how to use the technology to engage with their peers is being developed to find essentially super fans that will continue to purchase their products for years in, in, in line with that retention idea from earlier. Exactly. Yeah. It's the, so I, I think a few things are important here. So one, We've kind of discovered why Apple is doing this, why they're kind of making it walled off in this walled garden. Uh, but the, the numbers here that kind of show, especially for different demographics, why it's so important, you know, to people to be an iMessage or be Apple users. But this doesn't really convey other elements that may make this decision, right? So you may be a fan, like we are. We like Apple devices. I wouldn't. I, I would say, yeah, the iMessage thing, just because of convenience. Just how it is. Yes, that's certainly a big factor. Don't get me wrong. But for me personally, I like Apple devices. There's a lot I like in general. But one of the things that Facebook did is they actually had uh, an internal study that they shared in 2019 uh, that was really going over why are younger kids within that demographic, high school age, even preteen age, all the way through to 18 to 24, like we talked about, why are they leaning so much more towards iMessage? at a very high rate that went up from 2014 up to last year from 34% to 74%. Why is that happening? And they actually found that the reason why people were using iMessage and Snap more, uh, Snapchat, rather than just using you know Android phones and, and Facebook's own messenger, yeah. as well as WhatsApp, was some of the integrations iMessage has, which continues to improve. Like you have yeah. emojis now, you have all types of things. You can buy Starbucks through there. I mean, there, you can do all types of things in iMessage now. But the main thing that Facebook found, and, and we've played these games before too. I already know it. Uh, is Game Pigeon. Game Pigeon, whoever created Game Pigeon, they must be living the life because Game Pigeon is a little thing within Apple iMessage 
you download like this little app that integrates an iMessage and you can play little games with one another within your text messages, Apple to Apple users, like mini golf. There's like a little beer pong game, something that's similar to Scrabble. Yeah, I mean, all I'm saying yeah. right here is if you are an Apple user, come catch these hands and cut pong. Oh, dude, I'm really good at cup pong. I'm ready. I, I used to, oh, dude, I, I can wreck anyone in that cup pong. But, but game pigeon was definitely one of the things with that younger demographic that was huge, right? And especially, so if, if this wasn't a game pigeon wasn't out when I was in high school, but I can only imagine something like that, like just this little game that you can text with one another, I would have been all over it. Now, you cannot use game pigeon between iPhone and Android users. Yep. So another reason why that younger demographic was shifting more and more, it's certain things that are happening that, you know, you see peers doing, you see other students doing, your, and, your friends and something you about to be included. Yeah. And it, it's not even just that. I almost think like the integration of the games within the messaging ecosystem is, is something important in and of itself. Like it's so strange how like, you can be in the middle of a conversation and then also like, and if, especially this is for the people who haven't engaged in this yeah. to be able to be in the middle of a game of playing pool. Yeah. Just like digitally on your phone and still carrying on a conversation among other things. It almost creates this like extra fluidity and like lubrication to the conversation itself. Yeah. It's like, instead of the conversation going stale, Oh, Hey, guess what? There's, Oh, it's my move. And then you can say, Oh, get fucked. You just lost. And then start a new game and continue whatever yeah. conversation that's going on. It is truly a seamless experience. It is a good experience from a, a user perspective. It, and it makes sense. But Apple doesn't want to share this, right? They don't want to share it. I don't with blame Android. them. They did a good job. I don't blame them here either. From a business standpoint, it makes perfect sense. So I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of an Android user. So an Android user, obviously Apple is the one that is not essentially doing what's for the better of society, I guess you could say, by opening up their <laughs> iMessage platform to have, you know, the RCS compatibility with all types of phones, right? Like, right. like you can argue that, and it's a fair point. Apple is purposely segmenting their own messaging and making non-Apple users look bad on their platform. It's known, we get it. But why are Apple users not willing to care about this, not moving to Android, not going to use RCS? The walled garden approach is working, but I, I was... There's one thing that I think is very interesting when it comes to the experience of getting a new Android phone and a new Apple phone. Oh, yes. And I do think this is a perfect example of why people are so big on Apple versus Android. And a perfect example also, too, of the seamless experience. All right. You buy a new Apple phone and you've done this recently. So so tell me about the experience of a new Apple phone. So... Everything that you're saying right now, and I think they like to call it almost, um, they call it the out of the, the out of the box experience, Yeah. right? It comes down to the packaging, opening it up and the little yeah. pieces of plastic. Everything is specifically designed for where it is. They know exactly how their users open the box, take yeah. things apart, get into the device. Everything is specifically made to make it easy for the user to get started and just start doing stuff and having fun. Um, that's the simple idea. Uh, when it came to my new iPhone, it was it, it's gotten easier over the years. Yeah. It's gotten so easy. All I had to literally do was keep one phone next to another phone, and it was done within five seconds. Everything was transferred yeah. over. It's it's nuts. 
So I, I think what you're going on this route is um, the disparity between the Apple experience where you just sort of log into one account and you have everything there yes. and you jump into Android and the setup for RCS and texting platforms is more cumbersome um, one than it really should be in general. Yeah. But in comparison to Apple, it is multiple times more difficult. Exactly that in office. So like you said, you log into your Apple account, all the apps you had, all your logins, all your text messages, all your photos, everything is like that. Not to say that that some elements of that can't happen on an Android phone in your Google right. account. Of course, I get it. Photos can be synced, all this type of right. stuff. Now, when you're talking about texting specifically, which is kind of the main topic here, this is where it gets interesting and why Apple iMessage is such a big advantage. You have an Apple iPhone, you use iMessage. That's it. Dude, what, what else are you using? Like maybe you download WhatsApp to talk to other people internationally or Android users, but you have iMessage. You don't think about it. Yep. There it is. There are all your texts. Not the same on Android. On Android, there are a lot of different platforms or apps that you can use to text. There's a ton of them. There's just probably hundreds, honestly. And that's something I actually didn't realize because I've had an Apple phone for a long time now. So, you know, Google has their own. That's an RCS one that they're really trying to push to get a lot of people to use. Uh, there's a lot of other texting platforms as well. And then you still have WhatsApp looming, which is still probably widely used by a lot of Android users, both internationally and even within the US. So what the big problem that Google, Android, and then all of the phone developers that, that are on Android, what they're facing is where Apple has one app, iMessage, that everyone uses for texting and messaging, Android users have a plethora of apps that segment their whole user base. And and it just one with that in general just falls into like basic psychology where yeah. like if there's a lot of choices, it already makes it fucking difficult for someone yes. to make a decision on what to use and like how to go about it. Yeah. And then the just general troublesome nature of setting up RCS um you know, if it's not natively built into your phone. So I'm going to double back and say, yeah. Google's pushing RCS. They have it sort of built into their own yeah. Google messages platform. But that isn't to say that that is like, you know, synced across all other manufacturers of Android devices, like let's say Samsung or any other manufacturer. Yeah. So really what ends up happening is there's a segmentation that Charlie is, you know, mentioning yeah. between all these different texting apps that everyone's using what I think is sort of funny at the end of the day is that if Apple sort of jumped or like, I guess not jumping shit, but more accepted RCS, um, it would immediately become more widely adopted and become almost like this crux of getting yeah. users across any device or platform onto the same sort of protocol to be able to message each other. Yeah. And so what Nafis means by that is let's say Apple one day decided, you know what, we are going to be compatible with RCS texting, but only for users of, I'm just going to use WhatsApp for an example. So we're only going to allow this integration with WhatsApp. What would immediately happen like to get all the iMessage features with Android users only through WhatsApp is you would have a bunch of people flock to WhatsApp. If they said, you know what, we're going to let the the Google, I think it's like chat by Google, whatever Google's text app is that they're, they're pushing uh, that's RCS based on Android. If they had an integration with that, everyone would start using that because all of their Apple friends would stop complaining. So Apple really does hold the power, interestingly enough, 
to unify all the Android users into one messaging platform, but it's never going to happen. Yeah. Why, why would they do that? It's one of their biggest differentiators right now. <laughs> so it's, it's the, uh, the reason why a lot of people like Android is it's open source. People can make apps. There's so all these different options, but it's also the reason why they have such a tough time competing with Apple, particularly in the iMessage space, because there's so many options. Everyone can segment it. They can do mm-hmm. whatever they want. And, and that's and with a phone, texting and messaging, sending pictures and photos. It's one of the biggest things you do. If not the biggest thing you do on a phone, I'm, it's huge. I'm a little surprised that Google hasn't taken a bigger stance on this and done something with like phone manufacturers and figured out a way to be like, Hey, let's get on the same page here. We'll all do better collectively. Like, I don't know, like a coalition of sorts. It they're trying, it's, it's slowly, they're slowly getting more and more adoption for one unified app with RCS. That's supposed to kind of mirror the eye message experience but the other thing, Lumi, I think the biggest thing, Lumi, is honestly WhatsApp. Getting people yeah. to, and that's the thing, getting people to change the apps that they use as a daily driver is so hard. It is, it is, and I, I didn't think about that for a long time. So, like, I have nearly every messaging platform on my phone. It's yeah. really just to be available for people in general. But there are levels of priority. You know, yes. I will see the notifications come in, but if you message me on Messenger. I'm probably not going to message you back for a few days or discord or whatever it is, except if you are a particular person that we've made an agreement that, Hey, you've got Android. I've got iPhone. I actually like you enough where I give you priority in my life and I will check that one platform for you. That takes a lot, dude, because when I get a green text from someone, you, you gotta be really in my good favor. It's quite literally like one person I have in mind. Yeah. (laughs) Like one. Well that, well, that one person, uh, kudos to them. And I still message them back slow. I'm sorry, man. I apologize. Yeah, you're, well, you're a good guy out there. Just get, a, get an iPhone and just get with it. Just get an iPhone. No, but, man. you know, I will say we're still Apple fanboys, but I, I think it was, I really want to go over this topic because we do acknowledge what Apple is doing. We are aware of it. And it, it's certainly not a business practice that is in the best interest of the consumer. But would you say that, that this is like despicable of Apple or that they, they shouldn't be doing this. I'm conflicted because I think from a business sense, it is the absolutely the right call and you would make it 10 out of 10 times. It's like, why would you change anything? And you know what? You don't, you don't need to change anything. There's nothing forcing you to do it as a company you're running. Right. And it's not the first time a company's tried to do this. So if you're thinking back to the early days of texting, Blackberry used to do this. They had their own little thing, like within the BlackBerry ecosystem, you can only text other Blackberries a certain thing. They tried to do this. Blackberries just didn't take off as much as iPhones. Yeah. Then you had, even when you think about instant messaging, right? So it's not like you had AIM and you could like, you know, I, I know there were like, if you want to really get technical about it, like there were different integrations you could do with AIM like eventually, but at, oh, the yeah, early, love, yeah. Yeah, at the early beginnings, like you couldn't just like message someone on Skype from AIM, yeah. you know, AOL's messenger. You couldn't do that. So it's the same concept here, except on a device that almost everyone has in two different, you know, big differences between it. Right. So I, I would say if I really had to answer, I, I don't think it's despicable of Apple of what they're doing, but I will say that for the hate that Android users get for green bubbles, I understand why they don't feel like they want to conform to Apple 
because it is something that Apple's purposely doing. I I just like Apple personally more for more reasons beyond iMessage. But I can understand why people don't like what Apple is doing. Like I, I get that. I get it a hundred percent. Um I feel like that's a good way to round out the episode. Yeah. Charlie, I think the last part you said there, um, I think you said that was, that was very well stated. Uh, Thank you. I think, you know, I, I also agree with you. I think on a business stand, uh, Apple did a good job building up the platform. Honestly, I give them kudos for doing such a good yeah. job. Then it's like almost why take that away when they've, they've done something on their own accord. Um, but also I, I feel for the Android users who feel that, they're almost forced because of that. And it's yeah. honestly, a lot of it is just con- like just psychology, yeah. which is wild. But ultimately, as Charlie was saying, we are Apple fanboys, but we try to do our best to give both sides of ultimately this conflict here between Apple and Android devices. Um, so as usual, to leave off on this episode, we'd like everyone to, if you're enjoying this episode, Give us a review on one Spotify, which is now a new feature. If you've yep. listened to a few of our episodes, it's very simple on the Spotify page. Charlie, I believe it's at the towards the top. There's like a star. That's right. On the top left of the mobile app. I don't know if it's on desktop yet. Uh, there'll be a, a way that you can give us five stars on there. As long as you've listened to an episode or two, not anyone can just go on there, which I think is a cool verification method. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. And then um, not only with, Spotify, of course, with Apple Podcasts, hop over there. Even if you don't even use the platform often, if you're listening to us and enjoying the show, it really does help get our podcast out there. And then lastly, give us a follow on social media. We're at not to be technical on Instagram, at not to be tech on Twitter, and at not to be technical on TikTok, which we don't have content there yet, but it is coming soon. Yes. And we've been promising that for a while. But let me just tell you, it is really coming now. We're investing in new tech. That's right. We're getting new things, getting in preparation for it, among having all these other priorities, but we're making time for it. That's right. I did not try to look this sexy today for nothing. We're getting this shit on TikTok. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, uh, everyone, uh, look forward to looking at Sexy Charlie's outfit and uh, stay tuned for the next episode.